0: Hello, hello. Are you ready to rumble? I am. Is your stomach ready? No, I've had I've had breakfast today, Hatesh, So we're not going to have to edit out my my rumbling stomach. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>
1: uh, so touch word that is. Yeah, but I was uh, re-listening to last week's podcast, and I think one thing that stuck to my mind was we have all said that the GI Yaris looks very similar to your regular Yaris. And For I, I have to say, yeah, we, we both said that. And yeah. you know what? I've, this week, I've I've been looking at every Yaris and GR that I came across, and I have to say, I, I disagree. <laughs> it's, just, it's just seven uh, days. <laughs> I know it's only these seven days, but I, I came across a few. I had a few nice work trips, which meant that I was going through the peaks, and I came across some. You know, I, I came across a GR Yaris and, and a regular Yaris, and okay, yeah, I think. The GR just looks a bit boxier. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. So I kind of yeah. take what I said last week back. I they aren't the same.
0: Enough. I think maybe, um, I think because I don't, I've not really seen, I think I've seen one GI. GIR. I was with you, actually. It was on the motorway.
1: Oh, yes, uh, it was, wasn't it? Think that's yeah. the only
0: time I've really actually seen one in the wild. Yeah. So maybe maybe I've seen a few more, but, or maybe my eyesight's are <laughs> going, or maybe I'm just an old person. <laughs> Ah, oh, hopefully it's not your eyesight,
1: otherwise it'll just mean you can't drive anymore. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, well that's it. Thanks for bringing that to the fore. Are you ready? Should we dive into this week's?
1: Yeah, let's get started. Welcome to the Facts and Furious podcast, a weekly rundown of the latest and greatest automotive news followed by our take from the Petrohead's perspective. Your two hosts are myself, Hetesh, and joining me is James. On today's new section of the podcast, we will be covering Noble's exciting new car after 12 years, the UK government's pause on the rollout of smart motorways, and after speculating on the podcast last week, there's been confirmation of a new hardcore variant of the Yaris. And to end the new section, we will cover recent details on the fully electric Peugeot 308. Also, we will have a look at our hot car pick of the week. A hint for you car petrolheads, it's the last production car to have used a rotary engine. Stay tuned to hear more about this unique car, before ending with some general announcements. To get us started, I'll pass you over to James, who will run us through the news for this episode.
0: News just in only a few days ago. Noble has revealed more details about its first new model for 12 years. It's called the M500 and was first previewed as a static prototype at the Goodwood Festival of Speed in 2018. It's now made it to pre production stage and is expected to use a detuned version of the 3.5 litre V6 engine used in the latest Ford GT. Power output is expected to be roughly 550 brake horsepower, which is roughly 100 brake horsepower less than the Ford. Details confirmed so far is that a 6-speed manual gearbox will be offered, there will be no safety features such as airbags or anti-lock brakes, the chassis will be a tubular steel frame design with double wishbone suspension and glass reinforced plastic body panels. Prices are yet to be confirmed but Noble is targeting a figure less than the more powerful M600 which was £200,000 when new. Exciting news in the world of motorways, the UK government has decided to pause the rollout of smart motorways as it responds to a transport committee report. The delay will be until it is possible to review five years of data for schemes that started prior to 2020. 2020 is especially relevant as the government made the decision in March that year that all smart motorways would become all lane running motorways. Smart motorway schemes that are currently under construction will be completed. The government has said that the current stretches of all lane running motorways will be upgraded with best-in-class technology. This will be through a 900 million pound pot of funding with 390 million pounds of that earmarked to install 150 additional emergency areas by 2025. This will represent an increase of roughly 50 percent of the current amount. The transport committee report which has led to the pause called for a delay until safety for road users can be delivered and assured. Recommendations from the report include Commissioning the Office for Rail and Road to conduct independent evaluations of the effectiveness and operation of stopped vehicle technology. Another recommendation is to insert the emergency corridor manoeuvre into the Highway Code. This will help emergency services and traffic patrol officers to access incidents when traffic is congested. This is not the first time a transport committee has criticised all lane running smart motorways. In 2016, the Transport Committee previously reported that the trade-off in safety for all lane-running motorways was an unacceptable price to pay for the benefits. The government was urged to not proceed with its major investment in the motorways while major safety concerns existed. In response, the Department for Transport and Highways England promised safety improvements. However, a more recent report from the Transport Committee concludes that the work to date does not fully address the risks associated with the removal of the hard shoulder. Transport Secretary Grant Schnapps said... While our initial data shows the smart motorways are among the safest roads in the UK, it's crucial that we go further to ensure people feel safer using them. The Toyota GR Yaris is back by popular demand with the Japanese car manufacturer revealing a more hardcore version of the popular hot hatchback. It is called the GR-MN and Gazoo Racing has stated that the GR has evolved into a car that can be driven faster and with more peace of mind. This evolution has included a number of changes including an increase in torque of 20Nm, shortening of gear ratios and a reduction in final drive, plus swapping the front and rear torsion differentials for mechanically locking alternatives. The Japanese brand has also put the Yaris on a diet, saving 20kg. This is thanks to using a carbon fibre reinforced bonnet, roof and rear spoiler, plus removing the rear seats. Only 500 GRMN Yaris models will be made, and only 50 of those will come with a circuit pack. All models are expected to be sold through a sort of lottery, and they'll be sold straight to the Japanese domestic market. Taking into account the exchange rate, prices are believed to be around £54,000 for models with the circuit pack. Those hungry for French car news will be delighted that Peugeot has confirmed there'll be a fully electric version of the new 308 hatchback. It's due to silently waft onto the scene in 2023, with Peugeot stating a maximum range of more than 400 kilometres. When this is converted from monopoly money into real units, that'll be around 250 miles. A 54kWh battery pack is due to feature along with a 154 brake horsepower electric motor. These represent a 4kWh and 20 brake horsepower increase over the systems used in the E208 and E2008. Prices are as yet unconfirmed, but mid 30s is being touted in some reports. A Vauxhall Astra E is also expected to to be produced using the same Stellantis EMP2 platform. So, Hertesh, are you a
1: Noble fan? No. (laughs) No. What? Why? Don't get me wrong, I've come across a few of them in past sorts of visits to car shows. Uh, I've always thought they're interesting cars to look at, but just... uh, yeah, they they don't quite beat your sort of, uh, you know, your, the other sort of hypercars or supercars you see in that price range. The it just usually gets overlooked, in my opinion. Yeah, I know. I I'd give you the overlooking part, but
0: I I see. I don't know. I, I, I don't have. I would look at stuff Lamborghinis and Ferraris and think, yeah, they're cool, but I I don't actually I don't yearn to own one. I'd love to have one for a weekend. Or just if someone chucked me the keys, I'm not gonna say, oh no.
1: But I look at noble I would I would own a noble. I think I can't. it's because we have very different perspectives, don't we? I I feel like yeah, you, you always tend to go for the lesser known, discreet car. Whereas I'm a bit more out there with the have the loudest and you know, yeah. weirdest you, looking you're, car. You're
0: you're playing to win the game of Top Trumps.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's probably a fair description. <laughs> but um, um, okay so yeah um, I... and what do you think about it sharing the four gt engine are you a fan of the the four gt yeah i am um glad to see <laughs> we disagree on that as well <laughs> oh, do <laughs> that
1: would be funny if we
0: disagree. Now, you can get the gt i'll get the noble actually should we do that yeah we might need to get some advertising to afford those, but you know
1: a, a girl can dream Yep. <laughs> right. Okay. We need to give it three seconds. And
0: wait, where were we? Where were we? We were. So I was just saying, so the Ford, the Ford GT. Uh, what is it you like about the Ford GT in comparison? So when you, so you're, you're saying, so if the Noble and the Ford GT were part next to each other, you'd look at the Ford GT and think, "Whoa, go love a bit of that." But the Noble, you just think, "Meh."
1: Yeah, I just think the styling just doesn't quite do it for me. Okay. So I've always looked at Nobles, and they're not quite as loud as I like my cards to be. So because of that reason, I, I would, as I said, sort of overlook it. But yeah, uh, if you put a four GT next to it, I think I'd probably go for the four GT. When you say loud, do you mean visually loud? or Visually loud. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. So basically if there was a Noble painted in pink with flames down the side, maybe?
1: Just maybe, maybe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I get that. The, no, I, I the four G T is a, a weird one because I think from the f- the front and the front and the back I think it looks sensational. But then as soon as I see the, the you know the, the gaps which go through yeah. from where the, I, I look at that and I, I it just reminds me of the kind of hot wheels at Toy I'd had as a kid. Uh, and I I just think, oh that's naff and plastic. But I mean it's probably just as structurally
1: sound as the noble. But I just yeah, I, I mean, don't know, that's... it's a visual thing for me. Right. I mean, I just think, you know, there's so much engineering going into that those design features. So I just think, yeah, I, I can get on board with that. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. I can I can appreciate that. But six-speed manual in the noble. Sorry, six-speed manual
1: enunciate, James. That, that's got to be a selling point. Definitely. Um, you don't really see many of, well, it's just getting less and less frequent to see your supercars coming with manual gearboxes now. Most of them are, you know, they're using automatic gearboxes. So quite glad to see that there's a manual here. Yeah, I actually, I actually worry for hot hatches,
0: never mind supercars. And the, the, the way everything's going. And, and granted, there may be more hyper hatches now, the stuff like the, the A45S. But it, 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 if we're going towards an electric future, everything's going to be automatic we got and we're going hyper hatch kind of performance they're all going to be automatic where's where's the cheap and cheerful fun manual going to do you, do you think we've got many, do you think we've got many years left
1: no i personally don't think so at all oh no <laughs> no it's unfortunately it's just true isn't it because i mean actually saying a lot of petrol heads are going to hate me for this but i was sending my mum to Getting yeah, an automatic as well <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh there's more to it i thought you were just telling your mum. well i mean I'd, I'd love to have car conversations with it unfortunately it would just go all over her head so um yeah okay. but generally just for your regular consumer i think they're all they, they don't care about shifting gears they just want to get in get from a to b so i think for the regular consumer it's now going towards a way of maybe just having an automatic electric car, so... What did your mum say about a recommendation for an auto? She was actually against it,
0: which surprised me. Ooh, um, why? Maybe I she could be it... on the podcast instead of you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Replace me with my mum. I think her opinion was that she doesn't... Well, she's never driven an automatic, so I think it's more the fear of going into the unknown Okay. Uh, for a But... I did actually get her to drive my car, uh, the BM, which is an automatic. and Plugged. She, Yeah, but, and she did actually quite enjoy it. So I think she's changed her mind, but we're still far from actually buying her an automatic. So we'll see how that plays out in the future. I would love it if in a couple of months down the line, you're at some
0: car show with your mates and you get round and you find a car, which is your mum, with a automatic SUV hood popped, right? Mom, <laughs> car seats so, in the back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, that's it. And so for the the power output of the Noble, it's going to be around five hundred and fifty brake horsepower. Does that is that enough for you? Are you thinking if the let's say we don't know how much it's going to cost, but if let's say it's one hundred and fifty grand, that kind of puts yep. it in in certain specs of nine eleven territory. But five hundred fifty brake horsepower—it's a whole lot of power. Where does that does that sit? In your mind, is that you sat there thinking, yeah, that's good spec. I just don't like the look of the car.
1: Um, You know what? In the past, I've probably, I've probably come across as someone who wants more brake horsepower. I think it just yes, in our regular yes, discussions. To, That's definitely you. Yeah. But in this car, I think it would actually scare me. The only reason, just because it's supposed to be a fairly light car with no anti-lock brakes or yeah. no airbags. Who needs airbags when you have your face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just think it's too much power to have in a light car with no, you know, nothing to protect you when you cock up. Because inevitably, this car, it just sounds like something that's set up for the track. And there will be those times that someone who's not maybe that experienced that will get behind the seat and they will cock up. So this car just seems like it's going to be for that experienced driver that has done so many track days. But unfortunately yeah, I feel like unfortunately it just never plays out that way. There will be people that will just not have the experience and they will get behind the wheel. And unfortunately then the inevitable will happen and you've not got anything there to protect you, or there's no fail-safe there.
0: I do though it's a great, a great business model because I feel like that well, or from, from my perspective, I'd love a noble, right? So if I'm that if I'm that prepared to go and spend this money on a noble. I'd probably do it twice. So if I buy a Noble, crash it, and then it has to—it's you know, it has got no safety features or what it needs needs replacing. I just trundle on back to Noble, buy myself another one.
1: <laughs> no, well, we're not saying
0: one. that we don't know what the crash test is like in, in this in this scenario, but yeah, <laughs> yeah actually, sorry, it probably could should fine. have said that. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just that's if you survive. <laughs> yeah, maybe it doesn't need airbags because it's just so fluffy in the corners. But I get what you're saying about the track use that, that probably doesn't make sense but I, I you know if you've got loads of money and you do want a track car it's you know it's probably a nice middle ground between something like a an aerial atom and a, a, a more refined
1: 911 yep okay
0: so for this new car if you had the money
1: and you could afford to run it yay or nay would you buy one if I had the money and I needed a track car, I think I'd go yay. Interesting. Okay. O- overall everything else you could get for the money. What else would you
0: compare it against? Well, I mean, there's the atom if you wanted something all out. You can get a whole lot of McLaren if it is 150 grand. And you get maybe an older an older Porsche like a GT3
1: or something along those lines. But um, they are still they they've still got a lot of um intrusive electronics, whereas this would be quite raw. And I think it goes back to the heritage of where cars came from. They didn't have any of these electronics. This sort of leads you back into that era. So I think just because of that, because of it being just really a raw car, I think I would, but only as a track car. Okay, so it would need to be extra money, not you've
0: got 200 grand to blow on a car. Yeah. Okay, I get that. Cool. Right then. Shall we move on to the sexy topic of smart motorways? Yeah, let's get started. I'm excited for this one. Okay, so for one English pound, can you name me the different types of motorway in the UK?
1: Um... That wasn't a very
0: well phrased question, but I'm just going to leave it dangling. Oh, I don't know, actually. I mean, okay. just motorways? I'm doing... Fun. Well, no, there's so much more to it than just motorways. So we have all lane running motorways, which is the kind of at the crux of this Transport Committee's report. So these are those ones which have a permanent conversion of the hard shoulder into a live lane for traffic. You know, the ones that have the, the red X's above you have to leave, and then they have those emergency zones every so often for you to pull in if you conveniently break down in a place you can just pull into a zone. Right, I guess yeah. the sort of ones you'll find near Birmingham. Yeah, we need some some near Birmingham. I think there are there, there's some down south, although you know, I'm, I'm over in Yorkshire, so it's kind of a, I, I know there's There's some different types down down south, but as you'll see in a second, there are different motorways which are quite quite similar. Then, so we also then have controlled motorways. So these have a permanent hard shoulder. Tech to regulate speed and flow of traffic. Um, as, as an important note. As statistically speaking, these have the lowest casualty rates of all types of motorway on our, on the UK's strategic road network. So those are those are like you know the variable speed limit sections, yeah. where there's a there's a there's a lane. You've still got your hard shoulder, but they can change the speed and close lanes as and as and where they need to. Right. Cool. And is there another type? There is a dash. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, just in case you weren't confused enough, there is also dynamic hard shoulder motorways. So these are they have a hard shoulder, but it is used part-time as an extra lane, um, which I know there are some of those down when you get close to London. So it's like between peak hours, they can go, we'll open that lane, lower the speed maybe, and just kind
1: of ease congestion. Okay. I mean, as you're saying them, I can imagine all these different types, so that's quite useful. Yeah, but I think it, quite importantly, these definitions,
0: which I don't think everyone everyone knows, when you're then getting statistics thrown at you by people that are saying, "Oh, there's been the smart motorways are the the safest roads in the UK." Well, and then the, we're then then look, talking about this report. Smart motorways include all lane running motorways, controlled motorways, and dynamic hard show, shoulder motorways. I think so. That's how I understand it. So I think it's very easy as someone just trying to tune into these news stories to be misled by the stats, which I don't think is very helpful. Yeah. Um, but what? So what do you think? Do you what do you think of smart motorways? Do you think they're they're a good idea? I mean, one of the things they've criticised is that the D- Department for Transport hasn't clearly clearly communicated with drivers how how to use these all lane running motorways. For like, what happens when you break down? Do you stay in your lane? Do you still have to go to the left? What What would you
1: do? Do you Do you know? Actually, that's a fair point. I think naturally I'd always be inclined to sort of shift over to the left. But, yeah, I mean, since these lanes are all regular, you know, every single lane's being monitored. Could you just break down in the fast lane? I mean, I guess not. But, yeah, a valid point because no one's ever told you what to do. Um, You've always known on your regular motorways that, yeah, always pull into the hard shoulder. But it doesn't quite work the same way here. Yeah, no, I I, I agree, and, and it is a it is a weird one. It's
0: uh, the one of the things which they had. I can't remember what the actual time, but it was around a minute. I'm sure it was saying that on certain certain types of smart motorway, it takes the road network operators to about a minute to identify that a car has stopped in the lane. Right, which if you're travelling at seventy miles an hour, that's not a lot of time. Yeah, roughly speaking, you've gone over a mile in that minute, haven't you? So you've got a miles worth of traffic in that lane having to. Have, plowing on with no idea yeah which
1: i think is quite scary a hundred percent yeah you, you'd be counting on everyone to press the brakes and use the hazards you know it, it's just a bit messy sort of scenario to think about
0: yeah yeah so i mean so i personally think that they should have it have one type of smart motorway i think they should have Either dynamic hard shoulders, you know, either just variable speed limit controlled or either all their motorways, because then
1: you kind of you know what you're getting there, don't you? Yeah. You, you, yep. you know where you stand. We've got too many variations and especially for someone who's up in the north, so like myself, I would say. because simple minded I... northerners. <laughs> <Or> simple minded <laughs> northerners, exactly. We we don't, we're not used to these fancy smart motorways. We've not got <laughs> And like every just time we have dialogue down. going. Yeah, <laughs> we <laughs> um, i I find it quite daunting actually heading down to the south and i always find it quite daunting because or quite scary to run through these smart motorways because i feel like my speed's being monitored through every single gate even though that's that's not true good when you're set at 102 is it no i mean (laughs) have you i mean have you been up to so for anyone heads up to the north you always see everyone's flying down the motorway and everyone Ev- everyone sorry i need to okay not is
0: weekly sweeping generalization <laughs> everyone everyone is
1: flying it's it's more common to come across people flying down the motorway up in the north For than you. it is down south and um... mean, you know i cruise at 63 when i'm going boring places so <laughs> yeah i mean is <laughs> it's, it's uh... Yeah, I'm definitely not part of the 63 crowd. <laughs> but it's, the, I just,
0: it's just the economy, bro. It's just the economy.
1: <laughs> but is it, wasn't it... Weren't you talking to me the other day about uh, that
0: they've there are cameras now on the motorway that aren't operational, which are eventually going to spot
1: people using their phone? Yep, that was an article that was mentioned to you, wasn't it? Yep, so Wait, uh, there are... It, it, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, so the the government is currently trialing these new cameras. The when I've initially, well, looked at some of the pictures um, online, they do look like your average speed camera um, zone cameras. Okay. Um, and you wouldn't really think much of them. However, turns out the government's secretly been trialing these cameras. <laughs> it's very secret <laughs> to me. It's dark, put them up. Exactly. I mean, even though they're bright yellow. But uh, these cameras are now set up um, to catch people while they're Oh, are they the ones you go past that say not in use? I think so. That's interesting. Now, it's not been clear on any of the articles as in which ones or where these are exactly. But when you look at the pictures, they do look like those that say not in use. And Hmm. they're just simply catching people that are on their phone while driving. Okay. I wonder if they're not just in use because... Seems like if they work and they're there. Maybe they're trying to work out uh,
0: how much how much of the uh, fuel duty they're going to lose to electric cars.
1: That how big the fines need to be. Good for only just <laughs> five thousand pounds yeah. <laughs> go. Turns out the fine for getting you know being on your phone has now gone up double. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ten thousand rupees. <laughs> yeah. So I don't I th- know what that. I is, think but... uh, in terms of well, is it, I think ten thousand is. 100 pounds. That's yeah.
0: actually not too bad then. But maybe yeah. it will be.
1: Yeah, it could uh,
0: you know, go, go with one a week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that, but... They, they, that, is, that is interesting. Because they tried, I'm sure they had a couple of unmarked lorries that they used or some police force used. And the idea was that because they could peer down into cars, they would just cruise along and then take photos of people using their phones. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah I remember yeah. when they did that. It was a. Uh, I found it quite funny. I mean, especially some of the videos when you watch through it. It's just yeah. you see truck drivers, you know, perib- well, obliviously looking at their phone and when they saw the cops, they just pretend to chuck their phone away. Nothing happened. <laughs> You've been caught. <laughs> Red
0: Hunter too. Oh, dear. That'd be 20,000 rupees right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, a, a last maybe comment for the, the smart motorways. How many miles do you reckon there are of smart motorways that we can use right at this very moment?
1: I'm going to guess maybe under 800 miles. Under 800 miles? I mean, you're right. Technically,
0: (laughs) there is, let me just do a bit of quick maths, 141 miles. Oh, okay. And also, we do have some up north. The M62 is a smart motorway, isn't it? Because that's a of That's of got it, controls
1: yeah. and strip, strip strips of the M one. Yep, yeah. but I'm just glad we just don't see it as often. Yeah,
0: actually, actually, there were two other suggestions which they'd made in this report, which might be relevant to. So, oh, so one of the recommendations was moving the emergency areas to being a minimum of or oh, sorry a maximum of one mile apart, possibly decreasing that down to zero point seven five miles where physically possible. I have no idea what they currently are, but that seems like an acceptable amount. If we go back to, if you're traveling 60 miles an hour, a mile a minute, if you break down somewhere, as long as it's not a catastrophic breakdown, you've probably got 45 seconds, haven't you?
1: Yeah. It's useful in that sense. However, I just think maybe let's just keep our hard shoulders and less cameras. (laughs) I just don't want to be watched. (laughs) Yeah, no, I
0: get that. I'm, I actually find it the average speed check areas because everyone gets so bunched up in busier times and because everyone's traveling at the same speed. I find that more of a like there's more going on, there's more chance of something bad happening. And then, and then often that I find that there you'll then have someone who gets fed up and is then just weaving around all the traffic at some ridiculous speed.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: which, uh, which I don't think is particularly safe, but I don't know what the kind of statistics of that are. And the, the so the last recommendation of the the report from this year was that the I know they they touched on this in actually one of the other ones, but they want the Office of Rail and Road to evaluate the department's progress, uh, particularly uh, for incidents and response times for live breakdowns and educating drivers on the correct action to take. Have you have you noticed? The adverts that I mean, I I only I tend to hear them on Spotify. To be fair, which is because I'm tight and don't pay for Spotify. Plug <laughs> the about the the Red X stuff. Have you come across those? Uh, fuel cleaner. No. <laughs> oh, the Red X. Okay, right. <laughs> fuel cleaner. Yeah, because that is bar- that is that is so on topic. <laughs> this this section.
1: I was a bit confused what, you're, what you're you've You've not changed doing. lane. Throw fuel cleaner at them. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> no, only reason why I said that, I've got a bottle of Red X sat on my desk, staring at me in the face. So as soon as you said Red X, it's right love, there.
0: Love me a cup of hot Red X in the morning.
1: <laughs> exactly. You know, take that away.
0: I'm not going to ask what car you're bodging this week, but the, <laughs> going back to the, have two of you heard the adverts that, or the, inf- the infomercials, aren't they?
1: Yeah. Do you think yeah. they work? You still see people driving down lanes with red X's. It yeah, just—that's true. No like, BMW I... drivers like you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it—it it it always annoys me, uh, and I, and you think it'd just be that obvious. You see a massive red X, move over. But yeah. you still see it all the time.
0: I think it's because the times that you go along there's red X's or lane closed or a reduction of speed limit. And there's nothing. There's no obvious sign so that people are like, well, I don't trust it yet. I don't trust it yet. I don't trust it. Oh, there's a car in fire in this lane. I'll move lanes.
1: Yeah.
0: But there's not a fault they can do about that. Because if you're in that, if we're saying it takes a minute to respond, if you're in that window of a minute of it takes a minute to respond, it
1: takes a minute after it's cleared. I mean, it can't be a minute after it's cleared, as well as
0: you'd you'd see recovery
1: people. No, I mean you um, always get that, don't you? You get the car's been cleared. Yeah, the signs are still up for another ten minutes. Yeah, but you wonder wonder how often is that it's
0: been cleared, or is it when when as in when you go through and you see nothing? Is that it's just been cleared due to the aftermath, or is it the technology which automatically detects problems is not working properly,
1: or someone's lent on a button back at HQ as they're sipping their hot cup of Red X? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, okay. uh, yeah, I guess once you've got these cameras sort of placed a bit closer together, like you said, like the 0.75 miles, I guess you'd expect... Oh no, they're not the cameras. They're the They're the, the bits you pull into. Ah, right.
0: Yeah, I don't know what... They, I'm, I'm assuming they they must... They should be aiming to put the cameras on every gantry. but Yeah. I don't know if they are, but that would make sense to me.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess it would probably play out a bit better, but yeah, not really got much more to say on that. Okay, well, well, we'll have
0: to watch watch that space. Which brings us nicely on to the GI Thoughts on the estimates of the circuit pack models being £54,000?
1: It's a lot of money compared to your regular GI Yaris. It is a lot of money, and the regular one's expensive as it is. Exactly. I just, um, yeah... You hear the sorts of stats of the new GR MN, and I just don't think it's, it it doesn't really warrant that massive price tag with it. I mean, 20 Newton meters, an increase of 20 Newton meters of torque, I could probably get that from a remap. Yeah, but that's because you're all about the the numbers increase, which we said earlier. But
0: to me, I think that key here is that, yeah, it's a modest increase of torque, there's no increase in power. But the the shortening of the gear ratios and the swapping out the diffs and the I think there was the were they tweaking. They said somewhere that the tweaking. Yeah, they're adding a they're lowering the ride height by ten millimeters and adding a brace where the rear seats are. Look at cars like the 208 GTI. When that first came out, it was it was okay. It wasn't it wasn't a bad car, but compared to the Ford Fiesta at the time, it, it wasn't a, a, a considered a great driver's car. Easier to live with every day, maybe, but for driving fun, not so much. Peugeot Sport, you know, barely did anything with the power output, and there's a bit, bit of torque increase, And but it was mainly about widening the track, lowering it slightly, bigger brakes, and LSD, and that turned it from an okay car to a, yeah, this is actually a genuine alternative
1: to the Ford Fiesta ST. Will you ever see it in that sort, same sort of picture, especially because at this point, it, it's become a track car. You've, you've
0: not got yeah, the race seats. I mean, it's not like the the standard JR is rubbish either, is it? People love it.
1: Yeah, Uh, and I guess. guess, Sorry, I was going to say, and and to a certain extent, you could. It was practical in the sense that you had all all of your seats. (laughs) So on a boot the size of a celery stick. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but you know, it's just uh, you've kind of got rid of those practical parts of that car. So well, the boot's bigger. Yeah, because you've not got any racing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nit
0: nitpicking. <laughs> what, the, what was that? Oh, one thing I was going to say actually is, no one has really mentioned about the servicing of all the reviews I've read of the GI Aris, which I find crazy. Yeah. People are like, oh, it's amazing, it's brilliant, but you have to service it like every ten miles. It's not ten miles; I think it's six thousand miles. But that, to me, in this day and age, where we don't have—I mean, I know the Evos used to have small service intervals, but. When you have Audis and Porsches and stuff that can that you know they they can be up to twenty thousand miles before they to service according to the manufacturers, six thousand miles seems
1: like nothing. It's not a lot of miles at all. No. I mean, just... I'll just I'll double
0: check the exact service requirements while you're while you're talking, but yeah, a so, but... bear with.
1: Ooh, cut out a bit early, but yeah, it's just not a lot of miles, especially if you want to keep it as your daily driver it doesn't make sense at all unless you're only nipping to the shops but who would want to use a GR to just nip to the shop so I guess for people that are, have the spare cash to use it as a as, and sort of fun car for your weekends yeah 6,000 maybe isn't too bad because it'll probably work out to be once a year uh, but if you want to use it more frequently you'd be heading over to get your car serviced every three to four months Depending yeah, on how many miles you
0: do. I actually I think the 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 national average at the moment is, is around 7,000 miles, which yeah. to me just seems crazy. So for the, for those people, once a year, it's maybe no different. That's a fair point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. But it, I it guess is 6,000 because... miles or 12 months, which I find, I for you and me at least. Yep. Yeah. And I think for a lot of petrol
1: heads, is significant. I agree. Yeah. I'm um, not actually thing saying I... that um, now that I've got two cars, it just I, I, I probably don't do many on the 350. It's probably only doing like two a year, but yeah, so that's, yeah, that's, and that costs you at least 10,000
0: pounds <laughs> because <Yes. laughs> look at it uses fuel. <laughs> oh, dear, I'm being mean, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah I get, that's actually a fair point. I should probably think about if you think about the the wider public. But people with more budget than GRs. us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, but also so another thing, return of GRMN as a name. Now, I the, when they brought out the, the GRMN, the first one with the 1.8 liter supercharged engine, I don't, I, Everyone gave it flack for its for its name, but there's only one letter longer than AMG. Yeah. Or you what know, you know, three more letters longer than um, R. Or M or
1: N. It's not like
0: they're bringing the whole damn alphabet.
1: No. I mean, they'll stand for things. Quick question. Yeah. Who are the people that were giving it so much, you know, flack? Was it the it was automotive journalists in the UK? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You Just mosey on over to YouTube and just watch a, a GRMN review. Yeah. And I, I would put money on nine out of the 10 that you come across, assuming
1: you come across 10. We'll, we'll poke, poke at the name. Yeah. I mean, I, my reason for asking whether it was in the UK was maybe that's why they're not bringing it here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's Staying in the Japanese market. Yeah, it's like, you guys
0: burnt this bridge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, fair enough point. Okay. Uh, I guess the, the only saving grace is if you desperately want one is it, it's going to be right hand drive, isn't it? Because of their Japanese market.
1: Yeah. But so... Have you seen a
0: picture of the these?
1: I don't imagine it would look any different.
0: Well, there is the option of a big spoiler or a bigger spoiler, which is so that's part of the circuit pack. Which so it brings matte paint, bespoke 18 inch BBS alloy wheels, Bilstein shock absorbers with adjustable dampers, and then a larger carbon fiber spoiler and side skirt.
1: Just having a look at. you don't like it I don't like I I think it I was I was actually
0: I was I was on the forum the other day looking for I was trying to justify buying the first Men. turns out I can't justify it uh, it was when I found out that the back box is about five grand to replace I like, no that's okay I'll go get something more in keeping with my lifestyle thank <laughs> you <laughs> but I just looked at it and think yeah that looks like someone's taken a GI Yaris and gone hmm I'm gonna stick all this on it and then look back actually it's I, don't know, I just don't think
1: this is good looking. It looks more like a rally car. Do you think... I think it looks more like Need for Speed. No, I'd, I'd say it gives me a rally car vibes. You're looking at it from the front or the back? Uh, I'm looking at it from every angle. I'm flicking through lots of pictures. Okay. That's,
0: so you'd, you'd happily drive that?
1: Yeah, I, I, I would. You have no taste. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Just because I'm I like joking. my big wings and <laughs> extra body panels and all sorts.
0: Okay, that's interesting, though. I, I, yeah, it looks like I prefer the standard car, but that's okay. But then, And there's also, on top of the circuit pack, there is a rally pack, which comes with a roll bar, slightly different type of, uh, different, slightly different spec of dampers, rather, underbody protection. And also, then it deletes the more extreme body kit option. So.
1: Oh, so that's the rally car version.
0: So, so are you looking at the black and red ones? I am. Yeah, black one is the is the circuit pack one, right. and the red one I think is the rally one. Ah. Um, if you if people wanted to Google this, I think if you just type in "limited edition Toyota GR GRMN Yaris press pictures," it'll
1: come up. Oh, actually, looking at these pictures, you you know what? It would be quite easy to style your UK GR Yaris to a GRMN. I, I do like the styling of it. Okay.
0: Maybe we'll go look at one in the fl- well, not maybe. Let's try and aim to look at one in the flesh, and we can we can get an opinion on there. Yeah. Now, is there? What else
1: is there on the? I'd love use- to drive just the regular GR versus this, just to see. Is the difference and is is it worth justifying the extra that price extra money. Yeah, that would be
0: an interesting.
1: On paper, act- to me, it just doesn't. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. To warrant that much more money, but. Yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah.
0: So actually we'll do it, we'll do we'll ask you now then. So if you had the money, if you had fifty four thousand pounds and you were in the market for a performance car, not it doesn't have to be a hot hatchback, yay or nay, GRMN Yaris.
1: It's a very difficult. Oh one. you paused. It's definitely a nay. It's 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 I want to say nay. But I look at the car, and because of what it represents and just how insane the car is, I'd... Okay, I'd maybe go for the GR Yaris rather than the GRMN. I'm calling you out on this, Hitesh. I know 100%. If you had 54 grand in the bank, you'd go and buy a GTR. Yeah, okay. I mean, okay. assuming I had to buy something new. Oh, okay. I'd then, okay. I, if, 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 I, if I could go use, you know what? I'd, I would definitely go get a GTR. But um, if it had to be new... 54 grand I think I'd rather says. spend the money on a GTA uh, sorry not GTR a gr Yaris and then spend money upgrading bits myself okay so what about other hot hatchery I mean the the new Civic tap R is going
0: to be arriving soon we've got the Ford Focus ST uh, the Renault Sport Megane.
1: none of those butter in your crumpets not really I just think they're very different cars aren't they to what the gr is okay yeah, that's fair enough I don't think I'd have
0: one either. I think it's I think it's if we we're, we're talking new cars I actually yep. really like the look of the Hyundai i20n. I think that would be that I prefer, and and I prefer smaller lighter cars anyway. I think if yep. I was looking for something I mean and this is a small car
1: I'd be I'd be looking I'd be test driving that and the new Fiesta ST. Okay, you'd have to get a GR Yaris. I I know how mental you are on the road when you get behind a small hatchback. So you'd have to. I, I'm not <laughs> taking no for an answer. <laughs> well, um, okay. Well,
0: I'm. I'm sticking. I'm sticking with my no, but maybe a test drive would change my mind. Yeah. Okay, so that allows us to sadly and swiftly move on to the E20. Sorry, three hundred eight. Are you yeah. pumped? Are you excited? Uh, I mean, it's Peugeot. So <laughs> not really. Oh. Um. Casting dispersions about Persia. Oh, have you seen the photos of this one? Have you seen? Have you seen the pictures of this?
1: Been... No.
0: So I think the reviews, so. the reviews of it, are only just starting to arrive, or of the new three hundred and eight. So they've we're finally getting not renders. Right. I think this is hands down the ugliest car launched this year, maybe even in the last few years. Right, I'm just loading up pictures, so... Take it. Take a minute to soak it all in, and then ideally find a, a, a one which has a bit of a side profile to it, because... I, I came
1: it, across the state version. The estate? I don't... What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it looks like an estate. Yeah, think, there's a 308 a st- SW estate. What?! Yeah, I've just. That's the first article that, that's come up for me. So I'm, I'm still trying to find. It doesn't know. look too bad as an estate, maybe. No, to be fair, that... okay. uh,
0: no, no, I still think that's ugly. I just. I think. the So the standard hatchback, I think, looks like a shoe. I think it looks like the kind of booty shoe that a man of a certain age would wear when he's probably got a bit too much beige in his life.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, funnily i'm looking at a beige version as well so. oh, yeah. <laughs> mm, beige. but i don't know and then i think because of the way that the lights are shaped and the grill shaped it kind of gives it a kind of a pinched front end which i just look at and it just reminds me of a, yeah a, a, if, if a shoe and a weird bug had a child
1: yeah there's just something not
0: quite bright Wow. just because why is the engine bay the engine bay looks really long but I, I i'm prepared to bet an awful lot of money there's not a three liter inline six under there
1: yeah i mean that, it, it, i i know exactly what you mean it's it sort of gives you those m140i vibes i mean just look at the look at the over look at the overhang on the from the front wheel to the front of the bumper yeah that's huge do you I think th- the front just looks a bit weird to me? It, it reminds me of um the new electric Hyundai's as well. Oh yeah. Oh, and a bit of I'm getting a bit of MG as well. Like, yeah. Newer
0: MGs. Do you think that this is a result because it's going to be this is built on what's the platform called? De emp 2 Do you think that this ugly these proportions are because it's built on a shared platform and
1: it's kind of it has to stretch and shrink to suit the model it's being used for it's probably yeah unless they've got a massive boot in the front because they've decided to make the back really a boot in the front (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah i mean i just don't quite understand why you need so much space in the front no i I, I mean especially when it's electric
0: yeah well yeah i think the that's actually the electric part is an interesting bit 250 miles of range
1: I'm that... so glad you quoted it in miles rather than kilometers. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. It's
1: uh, it's but it sounds, It was when you get the kilometers one, you think, oh, that's good,
0: and then then you realize it's kilometers. Oh, yeah. It's nice.
1: it's um saying that the I think it was a couple of years back when I was in, in India visiting some of my cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about like top speeds, and he goes me, oh yeah, I've uh, taken my car very. It's it's very fast this car, and I'm looking at it. It's it's a. I wouldn't call it fast by any means. And I was like, oh, how how fast have you had it? He's like I've oh, had it up to 120. And in my Whoa. head, I'm thinking, okay, I mean, that's a, you know, it, I think it was a Suzuki 800 or Maruti Suzuki 800, something along Not that line. Not a mind. car
0: I'm familiar with, but thank you for yeah Yeah, you, you only
1: find it in the Indian car market. and uh, Because it's too was, fast for everywhere else. Exactly. I mean, at 120, you'd think so. So I'm and, assuming that was that in kilometers. Yeah, later on, he's like, That's in kilometers. I was like, why would you say it? <laughs> <laughs> it's not fast. I mean 120, what, 70, 80 miles an hour? That's, yeah, you that's... do that dropping the kids off. <laughs> exactly. So um have. yeah, I just I just find it funny when people mention speeds in kilometers yeah. and just don't say the kilometer bit. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's that's true. But is so is 250? let's
0: take your mum as an example because she's actually probably a good example of someone who would who would fit an electric car because she mainly does town driving doesn't she she doesn't if you do long journeys you tend to go in a different car because the family is 250 miles enough
1: it's more than enough I, i think that's a big problem we have with electric cars everyone looks at it and thinks oh we need more range you don't i mean why why does it regular? you know you're normal family that maybe only goes to the local shop or just drops the kids off, why do they need more than a hundred miles? And I mean
0: nowadays.
1: Yeah, I mean realistically hundred miles that would that will easily last you a week. Is it because how many I mean so you worked out he said seven thousand miles is what the average consumer does a year. How many yeah. miles is that um uh, a week? I'm gonna say,
0: what was it ten? Would be three thousand five hundred roughly. So twenty on oh, no, a week. Yeah,
1: by day. So per day, it's roughly twenty miles, isn't it? Yeah, so it's not a lot of miles. So it, okay, you only maybe use your car five days a week. Yeah, that's a oh. a week. I've just done some real quick maths there, Tesh. Yeah, that's very quick maths. I mean, Thank goodness, i <laughs> got my GCSE to fall back up. <laughs> Secretly using the calculator. <laughs> Shh. Um, um,
0: But no, I I agree. I agree with what you said. I think that's the that's the problem with with with, at the moment. It's can I use an electric car? Can I use an internal combustion car? Oh, maybe use a plug-in hybrid. I think people need to be a bit more. uh, I don't know.
1: I think we need we need better education on what these miles mean and how many miles do you really need? That nobody's really covered that topic, and I think it's a it's an important topic that needs to be covered, especially because. Batteries aren't light. Um, Why no. do you need to stick in a three hundred of you know mile range battery in every single car when your average family maybe only needs a hundred miles?
0: Yeah, that, that, um,
1: no, I agree. I mean, there's so much. Well, you save so much money. Well, because you're losing the weight of the car, you're going to claw back some of that range as well.
0: Yeah, but I, I think that, but like the smart EQ. What is it? EQ42, and yeah. that's been that's been recently taken off sale, and that had a tiny range, but that would be perfect. But I, I don't think it was. You know, so I don't know. It's it's confusing isn't it? because you're right. So people who live in towns need a small range, but then do people live in towns anyway? Do they want to be financing a car which is more expensive than if they went and bought, like if they went and bought a five year old Fiat Panda, five hundred to drive in town, as opposed to going to buy a thirty grand
1: Ponderie. Yeah, I think the thing that will probably force people to make those decisions is when you start getting all these green zones in most of your major cities. Yeah, so I, I,
0: but I just think that in places like that, people would just would be better off with some like car sharing, Uber, public transport, that kind of solution, rather than trying to own a car like this. And it also then takes away the any risk of having to replace the battery at some point
1: um, yeah no that's
0: that's very true actually yeah. but I, I do I do I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying though, about the mileage but people people should just be able to pair up like their annual mileage
1: easier with the type of electric car yeah if, if it was well modular in the sense that you could add additional range so let's say you' are so owner number one bought the car. He only needs 100 miles a year. Sorry, not 100 miles a year. Yeah. 100 miles a week. <laughs> that's, that's not about, not very many miles. <laughs> Where's he going? To his new? <laughs> um, oh but yeah, if, you, if people could then pair up how many miles they needed with what they buy. So let's say if, uh, owner number one only needs 100 miles a week. He buys a battery that's appropriate. But when he sells it on, owner number two turns out needs double the range. Maybe he can go along and add on those extra battery packs.
0: Yeah. I think there are some third-party companies now,
1: which for cars like the Nissan
0: Leaf or Renault Zoe that have been around, you can they they will upgrade the battery pack. If it if it they will fit in the structure of the car. They can you can upgrade the battery pack, or you can buy additional battery packs. You put in your boot. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, it's not, it's not, it's not like going from a car which can got a hundred miles range to five hundred miles, but it's a useful boost. Yeah, uh, but it's, it's a, it's an odd. I think it's an interesting because uh, I think Shell this week have just converted their first, done a full conversion of a petrol station to a fully electric charging station. Yes, yeah, I heard about this, which is. Is interesting, and I think they've got up to I think they quoted it was up to 175 kilowatts they can supply a car at with which is crazy, it's huge, yeah. But
1: that's one charging station in, in a city, no, that's true, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, like it's, a, it's a, a growing network, yeah, it's a growing network, and yeah, we're still quite a long way to go. Uh, but yeah, I guess going back to this, um. Yeah, interesting car interior. Um, Ooh, let's have a look. Uh, I'll be honest.
0: So Peugeot's iCockpit design: small steering wheel, dials above the steering wheel, reduced buttonage on the dashboard, most yep. functions through the touch a touchscreen display. Are you a fan? Not a fan? Have you have? Because yeah, I think you went and... Didn't you go look at a 208 or 308 GTI not that long ago? I
1: did, yeah. Um, it wasn't really to my taste. Um, okay. The reduced buttonage size of things, I feel like all car manufacturers are going that way, especially now that you've got screens that you can have everything on. Um, do, you, do you like screens? Are you a screen fan? I am. I think every car that I've owned so far, I've always added an aftermarket screen in, so... I I get the appeal of it, uh, but I do still like to have my heating controls as dials. But okay, everything else, that? I just if if I want to be warmer or colder, or I want to stop the fan or have it on max, I don't want to have to f- f- you know mess around with the settings or take the map off, and
0: yeah, then okay.
1: change it. Um, I'd rather just leave the map running, leave whatever I've got on the screen, and then be able to do those things. Okay that's fair enough because uh, so
0: i i i have become a fan of i cockpit didn't used to be thought it was weird thought it was odd but i then i've i've been and i've not tried every single version of i cockpit but i've i've yeah i've come to it, normally i like to sit as low as possible in the car and in the lowest possible mode i'm
1: a am I tell people I'm six foot, but I'm, I'm not quite six foot. I'm, I was going to say, six when foot. you say the lowest setting, is that generally before, uh, sorry, under the steering wheel? The yeah, yes, I just,
0: I'm just pressing the pedals in my hand. <laughs> and, and it worked perfectly fine. I was, really, I was really happy. I could see the dials fine. The steering wheel kind of just was just just on the bottom of where the dials would be. But from, from what I'd heard, I thought it was going to be awful. But I, yeah, I quite liked it. And it, the smaller steering wheel did make me feel like I was in more of a fun car. Didn't help that I just got out of a boring MPV, but into it, and then went into a little hatchback. But I, yeah, for me, I was I was pleasantly surprised. So I'd, I'd be keen to give this one a go.
1: Yeah, an interesting car to look out for, and I think when it does come to the market, it would be interesting to get in and maybe try out as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think this
0: is where we fire up our most exciting jingle, which is the same as all the other jingles. And then move on to Hot Pick of the Week. Right,
1: perfect. Looking forward to seeing the next bit. Right, so welcome back. So on this week's Hot Pick of the Week, I wanted to cover a car which is the last production car to have featured a rotary engine. Now, I'll give you some quick stats on the car. So it's a Japanese sports car, which was manufactured between 2002 and 2012. And it was stopped because unfortunately it didn't meet the European market emission standards. It featured a 1.3 litre rotary engine, which produced between 189 to 238 brake horsepower. It came in a five or a six speed manual transmission and was rear wheel drive. And it probably featured one of the coolest car doors or rear doors, which is a suicide doors. Now, do you want to guess what car that is? You had me at Japanese sports, Naden. No, it was, I think it's an RX8. Yeah, okay. De- definitely. Yeah. I think there's not really much that fits that description, is there? No. Here's a, here's a question. Just before we we delve into why are suicide doors cool? I just think you. I mean, how often do you see suicide doors? I just think just the styling of is- them. I-, I can't remember where it was. I went for a job interview. Actually, this was a while back. Um, and I, I got you talking- decided to settle into the <laughs> podcast lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was. I was. Uh, I was- yeah, I think I was interviewing with a recruiter. Um sorry, it was a, a recruitment firm, so you know, like a recruitment consultant sort of job. Yeah, yeah, recruited people. Yeah, yeah, one of those. And uh I had my MX5 at that point and we were just sort of talking about cars and because it's a Mazda the MX5 and we just sort of got talking and he got he was just mentioned, oh I'm I'm really looking into I want to buy an RX8. And then we ended up talking and he was like, oh, yeah, my son just loves the suicide doors. He just thinks that's the coolest thing. And yeah, and to be honest, I never really thought much about it up until that point. But yeah, I just thought, you know what? How many cars do you come across with suicide doors? So yeah, quite unique. Okay. Okay. So, and so is it the suicide doors and the rotary engine that is why they're your hot pick? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think the rotary engine in particular, just because it's not a very widely used engine um, and it's completely different to your typical piston engine. Um, and I won't dive into the specifics of how this engine works for some of our viewers uh, that may not know much about it, but it's probably best explained with pictures. So if you are interested, uh, head over to uh, Google, uh, just search up a video by a car throttle and they've done a very good explanation of what a rotary engine is and how it's different to your normal petrol engine. Um, for the
0: information, attached very informative.
1: I know. So we're, we're, we're being informative on here as well. Um, so, the rotary engine, uh, yeah, as I said, not very widely used. Now, surprisingly, up until the 1920s, it was a very widely used engine. Um, unfortunately, after the 1920s, it, it just sort of died out uh, just because piston engines were seen as being more efficient. Um, it, okay. So, because from from my, my experience,
0: Experience it has been. Don't get a RX8 because you will have to rebuild the engine. That is, and that yeah. could be complete and utter rubbish. But as someone who's not really been that interested in in them, like interesting, properly researching
1: owning them, that's that's kind of the view I have of them. Is that?
0: Is I, that I yeah, true?
1: it it is. Um, I've got a bit more information around that actually because there, there's a few reasons as to why it's a high maintenance car and the whole reason why i started looking into the rx8 this week was um, a a car advert popped up and it was um, an rx8 as we've already mentioned makes sense and my brother's currently looking for a car and his budget's you know under 3k um but he wanted something a bit cool. The pounds. I mean, I don't know what you can buy for three thousand rupees. Well, I know I know a car which will do one hundred and twenty. <laughs> yeah, except for that. Um, came across this um, RX8, and I suggested to my brother, maybe you should look into this because it fits his budget, which was under three thousand. Um, mm-hmm. this particular one was actually at two thousand five hundred. Uh, the only, uh, owner claimed that it had been rebuilt about two, twenty-eight thousand miles ago. Uh, so he decided to list the advert with twenty-eight thousand miles. I, I don't Ooh. know what you think of that. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I I I don't think that's a fair. I don't think you can do that personally because the car has. Let's say a car's done two hundred thousand miles and you put a new engine in it. The car's not done zero miles, has it? Yeah. No. Completely. When I'm talking about new engine, I mean like brand new. The, yeah. I think you've got to lead with the full miles, and then and then you can be surprised by the the lower mileage engine rather than disappointed that the rest of
1: the car's are a complete shed. Yeah, I, I completely agree. that That was one of the first things that popped up when I saw this car, and I just thought, Ugh. is is two and a half grand cheap
0: for uh, an RX8? Is that good value? Is that um, what, what should I be paying? If I was just wanted to buy like, like one that's safe. 20
1: not 20 but 5 years old Twenty-seven, two 2007
0: average miles average condition
1: so you can pick up um an RX8 which hasn't been rebuilt with 58,000 miles on the clock for around 3000 so 2,500, okay. and uh, I'll just quickly bring it up but I'm pretty sure when I had a chat with the bloke um I think the engine was previously on a lot more miles now let me just oh, go did, it you up. Actually, did you actually inquire about the car i did yeah it, it was i just thought it's an interesting car it, it looked v- really visually it was looking at it i was like visually stimulating kind of... yeah <laughs> but when i asked him how many miles were on the shelf it was one hundred and twenty thousand miles um so it's lived a life it's lived a life and especially for a rotary tree, one hundred and twenty thousand miles it's uh that's a lot of miles. <laughs> yeah, but then, and um, what do you feel? And I feel like we're probably getting quite
0: distracted on this topic. But if, where do you feel about high, if a high mileage supposedly unreliable car, the fact it's got to that point, does that say it's actually been really well looked after and not one of the unreliable ones? I know some some early Porsches, I like put the early Boxers with the IMS bearing issues. If they've made it this far, is that a to you? Ooh, they should be avoided because it, they, they they could be on the cusp of an issue, or they made it this far and had had some work done, or not had some work done. You go, it's been well looked after. It's
1: it's a good one. It's a good egg. I think I'd first look at it and just think it's about to go. And no, it, it would. It, it's it's just, yeah. Unfortunately, it, I I know I shouldn't really associate miles to what it is, but it's just yeah. In my head, it just wouldn't sit right. Uh, because uh, knowing my luck, I'll buy it and yeah, get around the corner and I've blown the engine or something. Yeah, okay, so no, I'm not saying that would happen with this one, especially because it's had the rebuild and uh, some of the lesser known facts about the car, about maintenance side that he seemed to know about all those things. And he was, as I asked these questions, he was definitely he seemed like a responsible owner. That's um, get you, yeah, but. Unfortunately, when I spoke to my brother, I, I had to tell him maybe this isn't the right fit for you. Uh, and the main side or the main reason for it was going back to the point which was the maintenance. Um your rotary engines do need quite a bit of care and I think a lot of people that end up picking up rotary engine cars, they don't quite understand what the maintenance requirements are or how to best look after your engines. I don't know if you know about this, but it's always a recommendation, especially for rotary engine cars, is to premix your fuel with oil. I did not know that. Is that something that the manufacturers recommend, or that's been? Is that just? I believe it comes up in uh, the manual now. In in the manual, Hmm. it states to, I think it's true two-stroke oil from uh, memory. Um, So you and the reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, well, yeah, but t- two-stroke oil. Um, well, it could be, that be one no. one, it? but it No, but the reason being was because they they use these apex seals within the rotary engine that need to be lubricated, um, and unfortunately, unless you're well, you've got your you know higher octane fuel and stuff. Unfortunately, I think it causes uh, issues with those seals not working properly. Over time, I'm not gonna so lie, Your this hot pick is sounding dangerously close like a not pick. <laughs> it is. But for, for the right owner who can spend the time to, you know, pre-mix your fuel and carry out the service requirements, which was actually three thousand miles. What um, for three thousand miles service intervals? Well, this is for a rebuilt engine. Yeah. If you go back to so any of these reputable um rebuilders, all of their websites will always state three thousand miles as the service interval.
0: Is that the first one
1: or is that for every, is that like they've rebuilt it so the initial one is 3,000 miles and then going forward you're back to Uh, No, no, going through. So most of these uh, rebuilders are offering warranties where every 3,000 miles you can pop in for a free uh, service or that's how, so it says every 3,000 miles. It's not just for your first one how long do they give you? So you pay you. I'm assuming you pay for that service to have. Yeah, government. you do. I mean, th- this was. Uh, I think it was a three hundred and fifty pounds a year. Um, but yeah, service intervals every three thousand miles. That's crazy. So it's basically it's a hot pick. If you're on a tight budget, you want a performance car, and you're knowledgeable enough to look after it. Yeah, but I mean, it's a it's a unique engine. I mean, how the biggest draws to this engine was well. I guess you've probably heard of what an RX-7 sounds like when it's, you know, it, it, it's the chat, biggest thing. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, just the full shot. There's not many rotary engines. The biggest draws to these cars was it's a third of the size of your piston engine and it ran on ridiculously high RPMs. And uh, you can get a lot of power out of these small engines it, just because the power-to-weight ratio just works out so well. So... I think these are some of the things that just make it such a unique car but it it does need to be owned by people that understand what needs to be done to really look after them okay um and unfortunately for my brother in this scenario i know what he's like and um is not in the past he's not that person he he just wants a car that will be that a to b if it looks cool great maybe c yeah, maybe C sometimes. But... Occasionally D, if he's feeling, feeling <laughs> off at <right laughs> the weekend. <laughs> yeah. But um, he's not very good at looking after his cars. I, I actually took his car out this weekend. The first thing I noticed was, I uh, got to the end of the street and uh, his clutch was slipping. <laughs> so I, I, I came back and I told him, you do you know that your clutch is slipping? And his answer was, Oh, I, th- I, th- I thought something was funny going. Something funny was going on with the car. Just, I just thought it's maybe the way I drive. <laughs> that is terrifying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: So, would you, yay or nay, on the RXA? Would you, would you so, own
1: This particular one that came up at two and a half k, uh, even with the rebuild, but just because the shell was on so many miles. Unfortunately for me, it would be a nay on this particular car. But Ooh. in general, oh, actually, hold on, I've got a better question for you.
0: Because to kind of make it, it's a bit of an odd one. Would you own this car on its own? So, compared to another car which is supposed to be great but equally flawed, the R50. Oh, is the I R52 it. Mini Cooper. Is the it? No, I think the 52 is a convertible. I want to say, is it 53 for the Cooper S? I think so. I'm getting I mean, lost. Whichever that generation of. And I love these cars, so I'm, I'm really disappointed myself for getting, the, for getting that wrong. But. I don't used to rave about these
1: all I the could, time. I'd, I'd
0: have one. I'd love one. I think they're they're brilliant. If I if I could justify one in my life, if I didn't have the standard 10, ten clogging up my project fund space, then no, I would. But so would you have? I'm mean, gonna think it's R53 Cooper S. Yeah,
1: well, say facelifted model because they were slightly more reliable or a Mazda RX8. I'd love to get an RX8 just because of what it represents and the technology. It's not. It's a. It's a very unique car in the sense that you're not going to find many of the cars out there that use that rotary engine, and I think because of the power to weight ratio of it, and you know, so many of these other things, I just think I, I would go for the RX8. Okay. I, I, ideally, in my head, I have a garage where I have a car that sort of is unique in its own different way, and I think this fits in quite nicely with that.
0: Okay. Cool.
1: Right. I think that probably brings us on to announcements,
0: announcements, announcements. announcements.
1: Right. So big announcement <laughs> this week um, for anyone that is currently insured with MCE. Please, please, please go check your emails. You might have had a letter. Um, unfortunately, MCE did go bust um, and they're currently going into administration. Uh, this was back in November now. They did contact all their current customers um, who bought insurance prior to November, and they've let them know that their new, uh, well, their policies will expire this month. So uh, car and van policies have uh, ended this week. So if you were previously insured with them, you probably no longer are, well, you no longer are. (laughs) (laughs) And if you've got motorbike insurance with them, you've got till the end of this month, um, So you better start looking, because unfortunately, uh, since they went into administration, um, all their policies that were taken out prior to November, uh, they've all been uh, cancelled. Right, so that uh, wraps up the announcements for this week's. Have you got anything else, James?
0: No, Hadesh, I am an announcement-free zone. But I should say that if there's anyone listening that has relevant announcements for the Petrolhead community coming up in the next month or so, please feel free to reach out to us through
1: your podcast provider. And we'll try to include them in the show. Fantastic. Right. That was quite a good podcast. (laughs) Everyone take care. (laughs) We'll see you all next week. Brilliant. Give you the jingle.